Morty's Devils, the podcast is the edited version of the limited run Dungeons and Dragons 5e actual play of the same name. wage their never-ending blood war for possession of the material plane. One man has alone stood against both sides in his effort to maintain the balance and thus preserve all life as we know it. We have known peace for a time. That peace is now threatened. Unable to do it alone, he has brought together an elite group of tieflings who all have a stake in the battle. They are called Morty's Devils. We are live, and I'm hoping that our audio is perfect and acceptable to your ears today. I am Kyle. I am still the Dungeon Master, editor, and producer of the actual play podcast Tavern Tales, which comes out every Wednesday wherever podcasts can be found. But recently I've decided to put my improvisational theater hat back on and try out this whole TTRPG as visual entertainment thing. So welcome to Morty's Devils, where every Friday up until Gen Con in August, I'll be taking three players from the stable and putting them through an adventure to keep the balance in the material plane. Today's adventure will be about three hours long, with a break in the middle for the players to get up and stretch their legs. I hope you'll enjoy this game, and I hope that you'll take a moment during the break to get up and stretch your legs too. We're keeping an eye on the comments in chat, because as the game goes along, I'm going to be asking for things from those watching. So help us out with some great ideas, or just reasonable ideas, or even terrible, no good, very bad ideas, because they'll doubtlessly be perfect in the moment. Preferably those. Those are the best. (laughs) So welcome to game two, our second adventure, and I couldn't be more excited to introduce you to our players. So with that, I'll let them start everything off. Colin. Hi, uh, I'm Colin Vulcanet. I'm one half of the Phantom Roll booth, but you're on the channel, so you probably know that. Tonight, I am playing Mulkir Talar, a rather put-upon and unappreciated junior associate at the devilish law firm of Pain, Fear, and Fire. Hi, I am Tessa. I am one of the directors over at We Are Nerdsmith, which is a, another company that does a bunch of audio and visual uh, nerdy entertainment. And uh, tonight I will be playing Benediction. Benediction is a divine soul sorcerer who is always looking to be the instrument of her god's wrath. Hi, I'm Wes, professional sleepy college student. I am going to be playing September Renegade, a warlock barbarian who will eventually learn how to maybe cast spells while raging, but that sounds about un- a bit unlikely. For now, I'm just hoping he doesn't get angry. And as Morty's Devils always begins, it begins with the devils, out and about in their various ways in business and doing their own thing. So, Tessa, where and what is going on with Benediction? Benediction is currently in her bedroom. She is lounging in her favorite plush chair. Her legs are outstretched. She's wearing a nice little short dressing gown, and she is very quietly reading a book of psalms. If the camera were to pan around her room, you would see her clothes all neatly hung up and arranged by color. There's a very tidy writing desk in the room's corner with quills that are all very freshly sharpened and waiting for use. In the center of the room is her large four-poster bed. It is all draped with emerald linens, which match the tips of her black and green hair. And as the clock in the room chimes the hour, she gets up, places the book that she's reading face down on the seat of her chair, 
and shrugs off her dressing robe to reveal the, her working clothes. She heads over to the door with her hooves clacking on the wooden floor as if she was wearing heels and her tail is swishing behind her. And as she gets to the door, she pauses for a moment and turns back to look over her shoulder at the rest of the room and at a figure who is kneeling on their hands and knees in front of the chair that she was sitting in. And she says, do be a dear, darling, and properly mark my place in the book. I would so hate very much to lose my spot. And it's at that point that the bell rings, the sending happens, and Morty's call comes in to summon you to another adventure. And at this point, the camera pans into a star wipe and reveals Colin's character. A pair of airships duel in the torrid skies of Acheron, thunder clacking between the two. On the deck, a burly-chested Mulkir, galloping abs and well-oiled muscles, stands with one arm wrapped around a rope, ready to swing across a cutlass clenched in their teeth. I'll get you this time, Gulgaro, he says. And right as he starts to swing, there's the thud of a bunch of paperwork hitting Mulkir's desk, and he wakes from his daydream. It's a stack of 666 copies that he needs to make by hand because the copier is broken. And uh, before he can ask which case this is being billed to, the associate which dropped it on his desk is gone. Mulkir tiredly lights up the first cigarette of the day. And it's at this point that the call comes in, the phone rings, the sending happens, and you've been called to business and work for Morty. And we move to Wes's character <laughs> with a stunned expression on Molkir's face as he's like, how do I juggle all this work I gotta do when I really just want some galloping abs? <laughs> and we reveal ourselves upon September Renegade. First, a statue of unknowable things. The form of it is hard to describe, but you can tell that the prop department didn't have a lot of time to come up with it so it might actually be like something they got at the halloween store and added a few extras onto but anyway it's imposing and scary and dramatic and we pan from the statue to the other side of the courtyard where you see september renegade very quietly reading a book a battle axe in front of him as another person stands in front of him mentioning that they're supposed to be dueling right now. He points out that he's actually working on his anger problems and that he would much rather be studying and communing with his god. And then the other person points out that his god is an angry tentacle beast from beyond the material plane that actually prefers it when you're mad. And he replies, that's fair, but on the other hand, I don't want to fight you. And with that stellar argument, the other person walks away disheartened, looking up at the giant statue, which uses a uh, Dutch angle to try to make it look taller than it actually is. It's actually just a picture of Phil from Hercules, and it's only like three feet tall, but the camera's got such a good close angle on it that it looks towering next to Renegade. Yes. And it is at that point that the sending happens, the call is made, and Renegade is called into service for Morty's Devils. We pan down after going through the opening segue video to find the three of you in Bosley's office. Bosley is standing there, his suit is rumpled, his face is crumpled, and he once again is holding aloft a magic mouth for Mordenkainen to explain his business. And Mordenkainen says, Good evening, devils. Good evening, Morty. You have to do that again, guys. That's The shtick is everyone says it at the same time. So I'll <laughs> try again. Good evening, devils. Good, Good evening, evening, Morty. <laughs> so glad that the three of you could make it. I have some urgent need. My friend Gantner has called in a favor. I don't know if you're aware, but in Waterdeep, an explosion has rocked the science lab that Gantner is in charge of trapping several researchers and causing a terrible leak. It falls to you three to resolve the matter as quickly as possible, or the city itself will undertake extreme measures. Are you up to the task? Absolutely. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Then we resolve to Gantner himself, standing out front of a science lab. So, 
how do you know this is a science lab? What does it actually say across the front of it, chat? How do you, what is the words and title that describes this place and the science stuff they might be doing there in this magic universe here in Waterdeep? And while we're working on that, you can see that Gantner is an intelligent being. Colin, how do you know that Gantner is so smart? He has a pocket protector. It's... I mean, anyone who's really smart needs a pocket protector. Yes. Is there anything in his pocket protector? No. There's, it's completely empty, but he has one. He's ready with a, a pocket protector as soon as he has something from which to protect his pocket. Yes. Perfect. And <laughs> Tessa, how old is Gantner? Gantner is probably in his mid to late 30s. And how do you know that? He's got a little tiny bit of gray, just a little bit at the temples, um, little tiny wrinkles forming around the corners of his, of his eyes. But um, other than that, it's very mild and starting to show this little bit of the signs of aging. And Wes, what is he wearing for clothing? Well, of course, he's wearing a flowing white lab coat because like those flowing. are necessary for scientists in all universes. Perfect. And... Uh, He's wearing a uh, belt with like various, like a belt satchel thing with various bottles of brightly colored liquid in it. And he has like crazy hair. Crazy hair that is stuffed down underneath a white bowler because Gantner is anything if not always fashionable. He's got his white bowler on. You can see the gray in his temples there, which Tessa so kindly pointed out about myself. And Gantner <laughs> is standing there and he's wringing his hands together back and forth in urgent worry. Um, a furrowed brow is barely visible underneath his white bowler as he says, Welcome! to the alarming alchemist alchemy uh, thank you so much for coming <laughs> morton kynan sent you yes yes i hear there are people we need to save yes i hear that there's liability we need to assess live mtv liability it's people saving yeah all right uh, well come this way devils and he beckons you in to this building. It is a, it is a concrete building, stalwart and stockaded. It's very well protected, uh, but it definitely appears that damage has been wrought onto it. Um, he says, uh, two of my lead researchers downstairs have, uh, well, something bad has happened. The explosion has wrought and caused a leak of extremely corrosive acid that is now leaking into the water supply of Waterdeep itself. And so my understanding is that the whole lab will be destroyed using an even worse counter agent, regardless of the trapped people, unless you can stop this leakage and pass on the good news. First, though, as you walk into the building, and there's a bunch of people there, some military people, some uh, Water Dovian guards are there as well, and we'll get to them in a moment. Um, there is also a pair of steel doors that are closed, and there is a red light flashing above them. He says, first, you're going to have to get past this security system, which has armed itself in the result of this dangerous leak, and it's only going to get tougher from there. What What's kind of security system? Magical. Oh, that shouldn't be too difficult, then. I wouldn't know more than that as the head of security is downstairs. He's, or she, is trapped in amongst them. Oh, wonderful. Benediction. Yes. You said it shouldn't be a problem. Does that mean that you are the one for which it will not be a problem? Because well, I have a few options, potentially, but I was mostly being sarcastic. Ah, very useful. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I find sarcasm is very useful. Mm. Okay. Well, let's take a look at it first and see whether this is uh, the kind of door that simply doesn't want to open or the kind of door that uh, makes you open, like, inside and out in an explosion or something. Um, yes. Worst comes to worst. I always can try to dispel magic on it, but um, let's see where its faults are first, shall we? Uh, yeah, I want to take a look at the door, try and see if I can figure out what kind of magical property it has like is it is it magical trap or just like magically closed sure yeah how what are you going to do about that i'm going to open up my third eye oh my uh, yeah please describe that well what looked like uh mulkir's very very furrowed brow 
opens like an eye, except there isn't really an eye there. It's a bunch of silver strands that like kind of like flutter out like, uh, yeah. And he just grabs one and pulls it out. <laughs> and it's like a little ribbon. It's so one of the spells I have. It's in Code Thoughts, which lets you turn your, your thoughts into these little ribbons. Yeah, and it's got and a, you, a Chinese fortune cookie saying on it. Wes, what is the Chinese fortune cookie saying that's on <laughs> Molkir's thought strand? Love will come to you soon. <laughs> just going if you open the back. doors. <laughs> Wrong strand. <laughs> wrong one. Wrong one. Wrong one. Your lucky uh, numbers are four, thirteen, and seven. Mulkir is trying to find the encoded thought from when the devilish law firm of Fear, Pain, and Fire worked for a magical door emporium. Mulkir had to do the production of discovery documents, which was thousands and thousands of schematics of different types of doors, and hoping that he still has one. It might be able to identify which magical emporium they got this door from. This door is from a magical emporium called the Room of Moving, and it is two steel doors that slide open and closed, and they are currently closed with a red light flashing above them. There does not seem to be any magic associated with those doors, and you are positive that from your extensive research um, in regards to that lawsuit that there is no magical property associated with two steel doors at all. The door is not magical. It is just big and steel. Like so Colossus. So shouldn't be a problem getting through it. Yes. Do you want to go first? Is that what you're saying? I mean, if you want to try to blow a hole in it, that's perfectly fine. But I was thinking we could try to open it. Well, you seem very intent on going first attempting to open the door so i would i've been not stopped okay is there any obvious way to open the door like a way to push the things apart or a button or something not that you can see from where you're standing currently you do however renegade while you're looking over there recognize one of the water dovian guards you have worked with this individual in the past can you describe this individual for me this guard is relatively shorter but still like looks like they could take basically anyone in a fight they have blondish hair down to about here, but that they have in a tight bun because they're on duty. I confess I'm not familiar with Waterdovian guards as much. Are Can they be non-human? Yeah, sure, you don't have to pick a human character. All right, then it's a particularly tall halfling. Okay, excellent. <laughs> and uh, they look at Renegade suspiciously. Suspiciously? What uh, What's the relationship between Renegade and this halfling Rotterdovian guard that would lead them to feel suspicious about Renegade Tessa? Uh, the job that they had worked on together uh, in the past went south very, very quickly. And there may have been a rumor that Renegade was the cause of the job going south, even though he was not. Are we sure about that? <laughs> Colin, what is the name of this halfling? Willow's B. Beltswillow. And chat, was Willow B. Beltswillow actually responsible for this, or was it Renegade who was responsible for the problem? <laughs> <laughs> Renegade, fancy seeing you here. Hmm. You again. Indeed, it's I, Willow B. Beltswillow, Esquire. All we need is a <laughs> Yes, yes, we know you own property. You don't need to announce it every time you say your name. Anyway. Vast tracts of land. Anyway, the point is, we need to get through the door. You seem to be one of the people who would know how to do that. I would uh, consider it really nice of you if you did that. And a personal favor to me. Oh, I haven't mentioned this yet, but Renegade has a very high charisma, and therefore... Yes, but... Willow is looking at you with suspicion, which means that you would have disadvantage on any persuasion check you would like to make in regards to getting Willow to help you. As Willow says, oh, you need my help, just like you needed it last time, didn't you? And he eyes you like this. Renegade sighs dramatically. Look, I understand, but I promise things will not go as wrong as they did last time. I have different people with me now. People... I could actually trust because they work for someone who I might not trust completely, but who at least 
seems to know what he's doing. And people, so please, People, I you'll inevitably you, kill as well, will you not renegade? I didn't kill anybody. That was the hippogriff. But more importantly, you must help me, please. Fine, you've won me over this time. You, uh, I cannot rebuff your advances so much. All of the sexual chemistry there is between us, I can deny it no longer. I will use my buff bud with your buff bud to open these doors together. Yes, this sounds like an excellent plan. We will not go into the details that I was too proud to admit before, and I am no longer too proud eyeing you in this way in this red light today. But nonetheless, let's get to it. All right, make a strength check with advantage as you are getting assistance from Willow B. Beltswillow. Amazing. Michael Amazing. Never open things. I got an eight. Total on an advantage strength check? Yes. Wow. Oh, no. Beautiful. I have guidance. I can add a d4 to that. Okay, so when you call down guidance from your dark god, what do you say to give that guidance unto Renegade? And also, let's be very careful and cautious here, Renegade. Or will you accept the guidance of this? Well, Colin, why don't you tell us what Molkir has a compact with? Molkir's pact is with... The senior partners. That's capital T, capital S, <laughs> capital P. And they are uh, a trio of bearded devils who uh, are like move in lockstep and speak in a chorus. In this case, guidance is, it comes in the form of what well, you're drawing out another <laughs> thought strand and just going over to Renegade and go, open up. <laughs> You must consume this to gain its knowledge. Tessa, what does the thought strand say? You will be gifted with great treasure. <laughs> Excellent. All right. You've got an offer here of a thought strand. Silvery, glistening, a D4 add to your follow-up check, which will just be regular, as Willow has backed the truck up upon <laughs> seeing someone draw a silver thread from their empty brain. <laughs> Like a head tape worm. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> this is not the strangest thing. That... I'm so sorry for this. I'm not. This is what I wanted. You're giving Renegade me the things was... I want. <laughs> Renegade was in the war, and so this is not the strangest <laughs> thing he has ever seen. And so he willingly takes the the strand and just puts it in his oh, mouth. Wait, you don't put it in your mouth, Twitch. Where does Renegade put it in order to gain this guidance? And now, please roll, Wes, while Twitch tells us what happened. Oh and you, Wes, can tell me how you opened the doors. No matter what you roll here, you will succeed. You get to describe the color of how pathetic you are in opening the doors or how brilliant you have become. <laughs> okay. So there are two steel doors that intersect like this, right? Yes. Renegade finds a crack and manages to, like, push aside one of the doors. And yep. it doesn't actually, like, it makes a very unpleasant complaining noise because this is not what it's supposed to be doing right now. Oh, but sorry, wait. Colin, make the pleasant complaining noise that the door makes. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and upon opening, he turns to the other two and says, I don't know how long it's going to stay open but it should be wide enough for all three of us to go through one at a time. And Willow says, did you see where he put that thing? He put that thing in his left eyeball. <laughs> your iris slurped it like spaghetti. Oh, no. <laughs> what was your role, by the way, on getting the doors open? A 16. Yeah, that's good. Nice. The doors, after they groan and sigh in Colin's way, they ding with an opening upon empty space. And at which point, Gantner says... That's not right. There, there's supposed to be a, there's supposed to be a room there. That's no room. Like That's empty space. It's like there's a lot of room, actually. It's vast, wide open space. So make perception checks as you look into the blackness, and we'll see if the blackness looks back at you. Plus one eight. Twenty. Not Ooh. natural. Fourteen. How'd you do, Colin? Eight. <laughs> then. Good. 
Molkir is still busy putting things back into his third eye, uh, mm-hmm. because he does not see what Benediction and Renegade sees, which are a somber green glow that down below that you can actually see into the blackness and there is a green light flickering dimly down below, maybe 60, 80 feet down. Mm, that is more than a little unsettling. Mm, yes. I don't tend to trust things that go for green flickering. Oh, but green is such a lovely color. What are you talking about? There's no color this. <laughs> he can't even see anything except his palms. It's not... It's, not, it's always so tough to get back in. You have to kind of coil it a little. Benediction's gonna walk forward and kind of peek over the edge a little bit. Okay, yeah, you peek over the edge. That's pretty much what you've done before to get your 20. That's still what you oh, see yeah. from before. Sorry, I wasn't sure if it was reflecting off of something. But. Yeah. You can see um, that it is a shaft that descends deep below the surface of Waterdeep. It's quite a large shaft, my favorite thing. If no one's going to stop me, I'm just going to head in because, well... That would be falling an extremely <laughs> far distance. So as you, wouldn't, you don't really have anywhere to stand when you would step foot in. Is that really what Renegade would like to do? Mm, I do only have a... 12 wisdom, but I don't think I'm that spatially uh, unaware. I it, instead turn to the to my two companions and say, either of you have perhaps Featherfall or a similar spell? I have something similar. Oh, excellent. What do you have? Let me see your left eye. Close <laughs> left eye. I just put these away, but um, I'm going to cast uh, Fly. I touch a willing creature and I can touch up to two. So... The eye opens and two thought strands wiggle out and they're going to be the things that touch you to give you the spell. They, these ones have wings on them? <laughs> yeah, little little tiny wings. Yeah. Oh, good lord. And what, uh, what, is your, what is the verbal component of your spell here, Colin? What do you say this time to unto fire, pain, and fear? I think those are the three, right? Yes, yeah. But they're like PHs for all yes. the F sounds, obviously. And they're unnecessary E's at the end of them. Oh, uh, as of always. Yeah, so people don't immediately get the subtle joke that's going on. The the written yeah. joke. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, uh, so the verbal component is, is I do by my blood essence and uh, life's energy swear that I am up to no good. <laughs> Do you accept these thought strands and fly, Tessa and Wes? Leafly. Yes, at the I am up to no good, Benediction just kind of raises an eyebrow and, and a slight grin at the corner of her mouth. Duly noted. And uh, accepts the fly. Excellent. When you reach out to take it, Tessa, it just absorbs right into Benediction's flesh, like like there was nothing, just like literally into your hand. And uh, Wes, for Renegade, it coils once around your finger and falls asleep and then softly billows uh, into nothingness. Now one of you needs to carry me because I don't need this tool. I don't know that I'm up for that. Do you want want me to carry you, Molkir? Oh, yeah. In my strong, <laughs> muscly arms. Oh, yeah. Uh, what is what is Renegade's strength? 14. So you have trotting abs, just to be clear. <laughs> okay. Not galloping. Not galloping. Trotting okay. abs. I, I'm afraid of what my eight gets me. I think they're just at a standstill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your eight is just, hey, uh, no one's, I'm not carrying anyone today. <laughs> All right. I will cr- climb into Renegade's arms. Yeah, I don't. I, I picture that very easily. Willow off to the side takes his hat, chucks it on the ground angrily, and then storms off to talk to his Water Dovian guards. Like I could have been something, guys. I had there was a moment there. You descend. We descend down on the shaft. Got it. Yes. You're starting to fly down the shaft. Now, I'm not a cruel DM. You guys got well enough on the perception checks that as you step out, you're able to see down ever further. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie or read the book for Ender's Game, but really, what's gravity when you can fly? The enemy's gate is down. Well, why not the enemy's gate is across? You can just turn your bodies horizontally. And we have some crazy technology that's put into play that allows you to do that. But it's really will pan back just 
supposed to recognize that your characters are now just walking down a black hallway towards green light and you're kind of pretending to fly in the doing and glide and slide with you know that that the linoleum on the bottoms of your shoes so that you can slide easily and it looks ooh I'm floating while Renegade carries Molkir and you head towards these glowing green balls which quickly reveal themselves to be green flame skulls and there is at least four of them they see you and this is the first round and first bit of the security these are not normal looking human skulls though these are strange skulls and since there's four of them chat can you please provide me with one and then the three of you give me description of what these skulls look to be one of the skulls looks as though it was once wearing like it's a normal human skull but there's also a like santa hat skull part of it like just skeletonized santa hat yeah a skeletal santa hat right yeah and it's red with the white Mm -hmm. ball on the top just like santa but it's like clacking and it yeah clacks or jingles i think clacking is even better in description and color tessa (laughs) what's another one of these skulls uh another one of the skulls looks to be um a calcified ooze that has just coalesced into a slime uh slime skull basically So it kind of drips green flame and gives the shape of a skull, but it maybe looks more like the scream mask, Mm -hmm. but it is literally slime. Yep. Calcified slime. And we welcome Katie to Twitch stream chat. Katie, can you please describe for me a flame skull that is not a human skull, some other type of skull, while Wes gives us the third skull type? All right. Well... You know how in a lot of cartoons, when characters get electrocuted, their hair has bones in it? Right, yes. (laughs) Yes. A match. So this person in life presumably had very anime pointy hair, except now it's all bone. Okay. Hair, bone, skull. I love it. And and now I've got a, f- a smiley face skull, a mastodon skull with pink and green beanie with an eye patch. This is getting really, really, that's really technical, Robin. I don't know if I can just easily describe that one. I like it. Maybe that'll be a fifth one if this goes easy. A saber tooth <laughs> tiger skull with green flames is probably the one I would have gone with myself because it looks really cool. And piranha plant bones. Okay, so we'll go with the saber tooth tiger because I can just write tiger down, and that'll be the four (laughs) skulls you have to fight in order to get past this security. Because the dimension door room that normally transports you down is not in service. You can see the outlines of a roof of a building down below. It meows at you hungrily, and (laughs) these four flame skulls cackle weirdly and eerily in the darkness and begin their attack. We've rolled initiative beforehand, so the bad guys are going to get to go, and thankfully that is only one flame skull is in range to shoot at you currently. The others will have to go on the next round, so it will begin with the bad guys, then it'll be Benny, followed by Mulkir, followed by Renegade. Yeah, I think that's what I had, right? So, that's where we'll go. The flame skull will go first. The flame skull shoots, and... And it's just at random here. I think that Benediction on their own makes an easier target than trying to target two different people who are hanging on together. So this one here will shoot its uh, magic missile at you and will do 14 points of damage as the green flame flame darts erupt from its Santa hat. Literally coming, like literally the ball of the Santa hat bursts into four different missiles and just fires into your fr- into your flesh and frame. And now we begin with Benny. Benediction winces as the flame hits her and kind of grumbles a little something about uh, someone being on the naughty list and kind of waves her hand over her body and casts mage armor, making herself a little bit tougher. And then in the next movement, draws threads of shadow and darkness from behind her to create a shimmering dark sword in her hand, which she wields expertly and gets ready to uh, strike. 
cool. Was this sword that you've pulled out, was that a spell or just something that you had on hand? It is a spell. Ooh, what do you say when you cast this spell? By the gods, you will be punished. Oh, by the gods. Which gods? The goddess of vengeance, which I am not familiar with the name of in... The oh man, you forgot so. her name. She's not going to be happy about that. No, uh, <laughs> she's pretty vengeful. How about we'll just go with the Lady of Pain and we'll say that that's where benediction. That's okay. Uh, in, in this by. particular '80s TV show, the God of Vengeance chat. Can you just name that Goddess of yes. Vengeance for us? While and I understand that uh, one of those actions to summon that blade is just a bonus uh, right. spell. Correct. I'm going to suggest that you probably knew you were going into danger and you would have cast mage armor before you even got here because that's going to last more than enough time. So we just retcon back to mage armor being cast outside of the building when we saw that it was the triple A Academy for Science. And what would you like to do with your actual action? In that case, she would uh, move forward and strike at it. And I believe we're in kind of a shadowy dark area, you said, yes? Yes. You're definitely you're right. in, the, in the darkness. So that means I get to roll at advantage with that shadow blade. Excellent. That would be a... Cool. While you figure out if you hit, because an armor class on a flame skull is only a 13. Oh, then I hit. While you figure that out and figure out all the damage that you ream into and describe for me the the catastrophic blow you deal to Santa Hat Skull, we move forward to Molkir, whose action is now. Molkir is going to take a long drag of their cigarette and then flick their fingers as though they're going to flick the cigarette, but they keep the cigarette. He He only has so many. He's trying to cut down. And he's going to say, motion to strike, and uh, shoots Eldritch Blast um, at the, let's go with the the Slime Skull. I rolled a 19 and a 16 on the die. Absolutely. And that is going to be 12 damage on the first one and 11 damage on the second one. Cool. And you're hitting Santa Hat with both of them? Yes. Awesome. Perfect. And what type of damage was that? Uh, I believe it's force damage. Excellent. Love it. Renegade, what are you up to? So Renegade, uh, like, abruptly, like, I guess you can't really sit bolt upright if you're standing, but, but like, stands bolt upright and, like, holds his fingers out and, like, goes, whoa, 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 whoa. How are you carrying Molkir if you're going to hold both your hands out? What happens to oh, hold Molkir at this point? I, I, oh, no, never mind. I forgot that. I forgot about that. I... How did you forget, forget about Molkir? Yeah, literally looking into his eyes as Molkir. I, I, uh, I take one hand. Pressing him as- I take one hand away while holding him. Perfect. Apologies for that one. And like point one like curled hand at the Santa Claus skull and go ia ia and attempt to like send an Eldritch blast. Except I rolled a one, so it just hits him in the face. You just. Okay, so yeah, you end up pointing into the ground because you're still juggling Molkir. Do you end up holding Molkir through the waist so he's literally bent over like a a big bag of flour or rice that's sacked there? Or did you flip Molkir over your shoulder so you had one hand free? Or did you give Molkir the cheerleader hand and hoist Molkir by his butt into a sitting position right here so that you could then cast your spell? While you, the third one. Yeah, the third <laughs> So, I hope oh Mulkir wore his dance belt. And <laughs> Benny, how much damage did you do to the uh, flame skull? Uh, 15 points of psychic damage oh as the sound the sword makes as it cuts through the shadows is a screaming, agonized uh, cry of pain as it hits the skull. Can you please give me a facsimile of that cry of pain? Ah! Yeah, that's it. That was good. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> It's like an go. 80s cartoon bad guy, like, ow, that hurt. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I was going for, so. <laughs> awesome. The other flame skulls have now all moved into range, and they have all looking to attack you, and they're all saying something along the lines of, alert, 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 but it's in some diabolical dark language uh, of science. So, uh, attention, <laughs> autobus, attention, autobus, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> the darkest of languages. Yeah, <laughs> 80s, so they just use Esperanto, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Donde esta la autobus? So the uh, the first one uh, casts another. Uh, actually, casts a fire ray twice at Benny. 
Missing with both, the other three attack the conglomerate pile of Molkir and Renegade. But actually, since Renegade is holding Molkir aloft, they all just shoot at Molkir because he's literally a beautiful target to be knocked off of the dunk tank and fall to his doom. So I have, uh, I don't know what your armor class is, Colin, but I have a 20 and a 17 to hit. Yeah, by that much. Excellent. Just just barely on the 17. <laughs> and the other one, one, another one hits. So that's three in total and four in total have hit you. Because what is your armor class actually? 13. Oh, then actually four of them hit you. You take 40 points of fire damage. <laughs> I said fire though. So what does yes. that mean? Uh, I mean, they take half. Oh, what do you know? <laughs> I like your expression when I first said 40, and you're like, what is happening? And then I'm like, 45 points. Yes. (laughs) Please describe this pile on of damage that is wrought upon the form of Mulkir. Mulkir is like trying to dodge, but also trying to keep his seat in Renegade's (laughs) hand. So it's just like squirming and, and keeps trying to like spit out a protection spell. Motion to much. Ah, motion to obje- ah, objection. <laughs> I will give you inspiration if on the last one, it's like the last throw from the baseball at the dunk tank and you go bloop and you flip off of Renegade and start to fall. Yeah, absolutely. All right. You you actually now all have inspiration because that's (laughs) such an inspiring sight to hear Molkir cry out as he falls from Renegade's palm. (laughs) Objection. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Thank you. We are now on to the good guy's turn. It is your turn, Benny, followed by falling Molkir and then Renegade. Benny is going to run towards. Uh, oh, that's right! I can fly right now. Thank I mean, you for reminding yeah, me of that. Technically, curl, <laughs> curling, sliding, but yeah. Fly towards uh, Mokir as fast as she can. Grab his hand and jab her sword into the side of the um, wall to oh, grab there really a hold of him. Isn't a wall? It's kind of just inky blackness. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. But you will, um, you, you, if you grab his hand, it'll arrest your flight as well. You're in control of your movement oh, cool. up and down. You control both the vertical and Perfect. the vertical. Awesome. So she's going to grab his hand to prevent him from falling further. And as she grabs it, um, she also casts Cure Wounds and heals him oh. for nine points. Is Cure Wounds a bonus action or is it a actual action? It is an actual action. Uh, mm. Since Fly was already cast on me, I didn't know if yeah. that would... Well, making the grab for, for Molkir right Got now it. would be your action. So if you have Go a ahead. bonus action spell, you're more than welcome to cast that. But you right. decided and elected to grab Molkir before he falls too far. And they uh, will need to, in order to grab them, you will need to make a DC 14 dexterity acrobatics check. Alrighty, let's give it a try. I got a 17. Then that is absolutely more than enough. Where upon Molkir chat did Benny grab his frame? Where did Benny grab Molkir with this 17? Noting that Benny wanted to grab Molkir by the hand. So given that Molkir has, Benny has succeeded so well on this, give, give me some good suggestions and not inappropriate (laughs) ones, please be kind chat while we move on to uh, Molkir's turn. Your, Uh, Your fall has suddenly been arrested. You look up into the eyes of the beautiful benediction who has saved your life, which flashed before your eyes and a whole bunch of thought uh, thought sheets have flitted out from your third eye uh, as you started to fall. Having been arrested in their fall, Mulcair is going to pause and maintaining eye contact with benediction. is going to point up and, and say, uh, second amended motion to strike. <laughs> and, and shoot more uh, Eldritch Blasts at Santa Skull. <laughs> sure, if you haven't already rolled those, you'll only need to do two points of damage to Santa Skull, so feel free to attack one of the remaining other three. Choose okay. that. If you ha- Have you rolled your attacks and damage yet? Yes. Uh, okay. The first one I hit and dealt eight damage, and the second I hit and dealt 14 damage. Please 
Wes, describe for me the destruction reigned upon this flame, this flame skull as Molkir's. What color is your Eldritch Blast? What does this force damage look like? It looks like it actually looks like when he's snapping, it's literally just the the thought strands like zipping out of his forehead at the spear like thought strands burst yeah. out from his head. One of them hits this flame skull and destroys it utterly. What does that look like, Wes? So it wraps itself around the skull, especially around the Santa Claus part. And then it, uh, I thought I was going to sneeze right there. Um, and then it just sort of, first it like sort of crunches in on itself and then explodes in a shower of bone. I love it. Perfect. Raining down upon the meowing roof of the bil- the room below. Renegade, what would you like to do with your turn? I'm going to uh, throw my Eldritch Blast at one of the remaining skulls. Great. Specifically, the there's a saber-toothed tiger one, right? Yes, the tiger one is there. All right, so I got a 17. That's more than enough to hit. How much damage did you do? And wh- give me the color of your described action. So if you already know that you hit, don't worry about giving me the number. Just tell me the things that happen when you rain uh, force and eldritch uh, incarnations upon the flame skulls. All right. Purple beams of light. And uh, if we're talking special effects, it's like the type of uh, light beams that you would have seen like Rocky Horror Picture Show where it's obvious that somebody like literally like like drew them in after the fact. Absolutely. Like, we've taken the, the celluloid and we've drawn with red marker so that uh, on all and each and every single one of those frames and poor... Poor Jim, who works in editing, literally had to draw all of those in himself. Um, he felt like Mulkir after after completing 666 copies of that uh, dissertation. Of course, they're purple, so they don't show up very well. But the point is, is why did that be purple? They beam into its face for eight points of force damage. Yes, and normally I would get disgruntled because a lot of people attack things in the face all the time. They're like, I hit him in the face. I shoot him. But Flame Skulls are only face, so that's perfectly acceptable in this moment. How much damage did you do to the Sabertooth Tiger Flame Skull? Eight points of force damage, and perhaps it hits it in the teeth or something. Oh, great. Chips one of its teeth, and the Sabertooth Flame Skull's like, ah, I just sharpened those. And then I, I zoom upwards some amount of feet. Oh, okay. Just to get out of the way. All right. You zoom upwards your 30 or 60 feet that you're entitled and allotted to do. Meanwhile, Benediction, you are holding Mulkir by his tail, which is a very untoward thing to do in tiefling society. Like, even just touching the tail is really uncouth, and it is literally considered a sexual advance. So how do you adjust your grip? Using my other hand, I grab his ankle instead and let go of his tail immediately. (laughs) Sorry? You didn't have to. Oh, well, you should have said something sooner. Yeah, it starts trying to go back up once I have him. Sure. All right. Well, it is not currently Benny's turn. No, I know. I was just saying the general idea. It is uh, actually the bad guy's turn, and there are still three of them remaining. And we're going to cast Fireball, so everybody make a dexterity saving throw as one of these flame skulls lets loose some sort of arcane words, and the arcane words are... Donde esta la biblioteca? <laughs> That's a one. Ooh, lovely. I like ones. 18. I rolled a one. 18. I rolled a one. You rolled a one as well? So we have two ones and an 18. And I don't... What? <laughs> I'm the one who can fly. Yeah, I'm wondering how you actually get out of the way there, Mulkir. So please describe for me how you managed to evade the fireball while the other two take all of the damage and you only take half. I think Benediction was in the act of tossing Mulkir back to Renegade to hold. <laughs> and so Mulkir was like over the arc of the explosion between <laughs> Renegade and Benny. Nice. Yeah, so, to one side of the arc. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> All right, well, we're just going to go with 18 damage to the two of you and nine to uh, Mulkir since Mulkir got out of the way. Now it is fire, fire damage, so you get to have that yet again. 
So I think Mulkir only takes four and the other two of you take nine as this fireball erupts in green flame and throws all of you ever further higher up. And I need some concentration checks there, Mulkir, because you haven't had to make one yet to maintain fly. 16 plus con, so 17. Yeah, perfect. Can you just make two more though, just to be sure, oh, so that I because at this point the flight may end seventeen and the fifteen. Then you are more than capable of maintaining your concentration in order to save everyone. The other flame skull now casts another fireball. No, just kidding. The uh, it does another fire ray on Renegade, and I have a seventeen. Is that enough to hit? Yep. Then that does 10 fire damage. And Tessa, Benediction takes one as well. And I have only a 15. Is that enough? Oh, that is my AC, so yes. Excellent. Then I rolled two 10s, so you take 10 and 10. That is the Flame Skull's turn, and it is now Benny's turn, followed by Mulkir and then Renegade. Is Mulkir within easy grasp of me? Oh, absolutely. You can catch Mulkir again as uh, as just a a free action, actually. Being juggled. So she's going to reach out and and grab Mulkir and heal him for 12 points of healing. Wow. Okay. What do you say when you cast this healing spell and what do you do? She closes her eyes for just a moment. And when she opens them, the gold of her eyes has gone brilliant in in the moment as divine energy flows through her. And she uh, basically just says, Dark Lady, cleanse you of all of your pain and you are healed. Perfect. Wait, do you accept this cleansing from the Dark Lady, Mulkir? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. perfect. Excellent. But there's there's going to be a request for production of documents in the future. <laughs> yes. Oh. I mean, we're flashbacks right now. And, and your employers will note it on your permanent record that you've ac- <laughs> accepted the benevolence of someone else's uh, deity. Oh, no. And you will need to express exactly what that is about in your next oh, performance no. appraisal. I wish that it was Benny that wasn't flying and it was the other two that were, because then we could call you Benny and the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Oh, my gosh. Oh, and we've got a name for your character's goddess of... Uh, pen- penance? What was the god you're dealing with there? Vengeance. The god of vengeance is Karen. Of course it is. Yep. Yep. <laughs> God damn, Karen. God damn, Karen. She's always eating my lunch out of the staff room. I'll just point that out. Really irritates me. <laughs> uh, and then I'm going to get back. No, I still have uh, Mulkir. So never mind. I'm going to stay where I'm at. Perfect. We are now on to Mulkir. What would you like to do? Looking into the golden eyes of Benediction. Yeah, Mulkir is still upside down. I think Benny said. Yeah, I did have you by the ankle. <laughs> yeah, so upside down is like now finger guns at the <laughs> flame skulls. Yep, I love it. Supplemental opposition to plaintiff's motion to deny alternate service. And I missed the first one, but the second hits for 10. All right, and which one were you aiming at? The, the saber skull. Okay. And I'm aiming for the butt of its skull the butt of its skull yeah okay yeah the words that you say you kind of mumble because right now you're also envisioning yourself uh, swinging from one airship to another the airship benediction to the airship (laughs) and you're pretending like you're just imagining the cutlass is in between your teeth as you finger gun fire off at your arch nemesis this saber tiger skull I think in this daydream, it's no longer a cutlass. I think now it's a black rose. It's a black rose. Yes, of course. It, it makes perfect sense. All right, <laughs> Renegade, what do you want to I love it. So Renegade has now gotten upset that his spells don't keep quite working as well as he wants them to. And of course, the solution for this would be to calm himself down, think about it a bit, work on uh, his technique somewhat. Instead, of course, he goes into a rage. Perfect. The camera zooms in close. Can you describe Renegade's face as we see rage suffuse his purpose and flesh and we can really, the viewers at home can see what happens to cause this to come to being? His like face like screws up and then for a moment it like calms down and he looks distantly off camera and then it screws up again and uh, he grabs his axe and he, uh, since he can still fly, he like yeets himself towards one of the skulls and just like smashes at it. Perfect. With what? With a great axe. 
Oh, excellent. What could possibly go wrong? How did you do? What did, what damage did you ring upon this creature as you smash into it? I did seven. I did a uh, nine uh, damage, which means that I think what happens is he just like smashes the axe into the side of its head and like bits of bone go flying. Absolutely. Yep. That is not quite dead, though. The tiger one, that tooth has completely come off and it, it weeps a little. It, it cries little bone tears. And uh, we return again to the top of the round. Do you have more than one attack or you're a barbarian? I think you only get one, don't you? Yeah, I think I could attack recklessly, but also since I'm multi-classing, it means things haven't quite happened when they should have. Absolutely fair. It is now the bad guy's turn again. Seeing that you are right in front of the tiger skull, it is going to cast another fire ray at you, Renegade. I don't think I've hit because the highest I've got is a 13. That is actually my AC. Oh, then it hits and does 10 points of fire damage. Wait, no, my AC is actually 12. Then even better, I have assuredly struck. (laughs) So I take get take five. Exactly. How much damage have you taken now there, Renegade? I have now taken 19 points of damage. That's not a ton. How many hit points do you have? Total, I have 58 hit points total. Okay, so you're looking a little disheveled. Now, the other two, though, will each choose to attack. Well, actually, they're going to cast Magic Missile at uh, Molkir, and that does 12 points of force damage to Molkir. Okay, the healing was nice while it lasted. Boom, gone. (laughs) And then the other one is going to cast Fire Ray at Renegade. Yes, hitting once for 10, missing completely with a one on the other one. So that was the Flame Skulls. Their chittering, maniacal laughter of attention, autobus, attention, autobus, still rings throughout this dark chasm that you're in and descending. You are slowly descending, though, as you're making, as you're attacking these creatures, and the roof of this building is only 60 or so feet away now. We now turn to the good guys. It's Benny's turn. Okay, Benny is going to reach out one of her hands and uh, cast a ray of frost at one of the Sabertooth Skull, and it was a 21 to hit. Awesome, yes. How much damage would you have done? She would have done eight points of cold damage. The cold washes over the flame skull and it laughs and it says, I don't find your temperature to be particularly difficult to deal with. Oh, well. The weather today is balmy with many chances of fire ray. It is now (laughs) Mulkir's turn, followed by Renegade. Mulkir is going to try and like climb up his own leg to right himself and fail. And just flop down and then finger guns again at the saber skull. Both of them hit. That damages an 11 and a 7. And Mulkir is going to say... Uh, second motion to quash. Yes, uh, objection overruled. The tiger skull explodes. Please describe the death. But I also point out that at this point, the blood is beginning to rush to Molkir's face and his cheeks are suffused. And he definitely looks like he's been hanging upside down for too long. Yeah, probably. Both of these slivers of third eye strand zip into the eye sockets of the skull. And there's a moment of furious trembling before it just powders. Awesome. So they ricochet around inside the the flame skull and do enough damage. It crackles, shatters, the flame goes out, and it crumbles to dust that falls to the, the ground below. And a bit of sweat trickles down the goat horn of Mulkir and drops off towards the darkness below as we move on to Renegade's turn. Renegade, realizing that his current prey has been exploded, turns to the cartoon skull and smashes it with the axe. The slime skull, the ooze slime, silly skull. Absolutely. Smash away. What did you do? I got a nat 20. Yay! Congratulations. Do you do it so that you roll the same die twice or just multiply it? Yeah, while you're doing your damage... I will roll the fire strike that's going to come against Mulkir here from the hair bones one, the electrical hair bones one that's been hair bone. largely cackling away and uh, sounding like a gel commercial. Oh, no. 
I as well have a natural 20 and a 16. You take 30 points of damage. So Ooh, I'm 10 out. and then 5. So 15 total. Oh, I'm not out. I'm at yes. 6. <laughs> oh, oh. Another, like a, a torrent of sweat just pours off of the horns of Mulkir yeah. as he hangs upside down. What did you do to the ooze slime smiley face? I believe I did 34 points of bludgeoning damage. Wow. Please yes. describe for me how this one is rent from this world and is no longer a threat. I think with a well-placed blow from his axe, he just hits it like underneath because it's a skull. So like in the hollow part, and it just goes up and like bits of oozy flaming skull bits just go flying everywhere with a crashing noise. I love the fact that it's still ooze. It gets a whole bunch of slime all over your war axe and it glows green like you've cracked one of those glow sticks and the glowing chemicals have now etched over your beautiful uh, great axe and it now glows in the dark for the next probably 90 minutes unless you hold a light over it and then it'll re regrow its, uh, its glow. Excellent. Well done. Benediction, what would you like to do? Are there no more enemies? There is indeed Hairbones, who has not okay. been hurt at all. Okay. Benediction <laughs> is going to reach for his hand, so she still has him by the ankle, and take his hand to pull him upright. Cool. And also uh, cast your, Cure your Wounds nose again. nose by the way. Yeah. So she casts Cure Wounds again, and 19 points of healing. What do you whisper in his face? Today, fate smiles on you. Oh no! You have to you have to invoke Karen. Don't forget. <laughs> Today the lady smiles upon you. Consent motion granted. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you, your consent is given, um, and another tick is made on your performance appraisal. And how much damage were you healed, Mulkir? Tell me, Mulkir, what parts of you were healed first? My hand. It was getting very, I was getting like carpal tunnel from all the finger guns. Um, <laughs> so so, so when, not the when, fire damage, literally the carpal tunnel is now. <laughs> yeah. I've I've been filling out uh, like requests for, for new summons all day. All right. And the hands really cramped up. Yep. So that now, now they feel good. Now they feel pliant. It's, it's time for a wrist brace at work. I think you have an actual uh, workplace compensation uh, submission that you can make in regards to that. You okay. can't believe how bad our HR is. Mulkir, you've been healed by benediction. The, the, the golden glow leaves her eyes again. Um, you might be finding yourself working your way towards an addiction to that glow if this continues any longer. <laughs> and what would you like to do with your turn? Not great. Missed with one of my uh, Eldritch Blasts, but the other one hit for eight damage. Beautiful. Um, Eleven doesn't hit, right? No. Okay, yeah, then I, I only hit with one. Uh, eight damage because Mokir was just distract, too distracted to send the first. He was, he was like, and then jazz hands instead of finger guns for this one. <laughs> I like how you finger guns and jazz hands and you do things with your hands and then stuff flies out of your forehead. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> Perfect. Renegade, what, would, what is your turn looking like? So Renegade goes over to uh, Hairbones and of course, in the actual, like, so what it looks like is, you know, oh, he's... Oh, I need to make concentration checks, don't I? Yes, please do. Thank you for the reminder. It's because if I fail, y'all are falling. <laughs> oh, no. Y'all aren't failing. Falling. Uh, Dang, I, got a I was hoping for you aren't failing. Excellent. I, I'm well really well today. Good job. Renegade, what are you doing? He's going to attack the last one with his axe again. But what's actually happening, of course, is that there's some angle work going on and he's standing in a darkened hallway doing this. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. And then the, uh, somebody's dangling on a fishing line, this green skull that glows because of the chemical that's been poured all over it. And what did you do? I did not hit this time. Actually, wait. Swing on in no, a I got, I, uh, t the 10 doesn't hit, right? No. Okay. 
then what happens was you're mad because the key grip lifted the flame skull earlier than you were supposed to and you and you were supposed to land that blow and you wrench your shoulder a little bit because you didn't connect with anything as you spin around midair it looks really pretty very graceful but uh, actually completely ineffectual the director's pissed because this one's supposed to be dead by now can i spend my inspiration for renegade to re-roll as well renegade has inspiration to to i will spend my own inspiration Uh, thank you for the offer though uh absolutely The director literally goes, cut, set it up again. Sure. Yeah. The director leans back from the the, the camera, is wearing a baseball cap. Uh, what baseball team, Colin? The Baltimore Orioles. The Baltimore Orioles cap uh, takes it off, throws it on the ground and says, can you not raise that? Literally, you do that again because this is the third time now that you've desisted in allowing Renegade to make their strike. If I have to fire people around here in order to get through this scene so that we can take our break, I will. Uh, 12 bludgeoning damage. And also for future reference, I just remembered that raging lets me, it gives me advantage on attacks, but I'm still going to spend the inspiration because I forgot about it. Perfect. So raging yeah, gives you advantage on attacks? Reckless on strength attack. rolls, yeah. Cool. Okay. That is that. There's still, it is, uh, that one dies. So please describe for me its destruction and demise. All the bits of hair bone crumble and we are left with a fairly innocuous looking human skull, which chatters sadly for a moment before it's supposed to explode and fall like the others. But the guy with the key grip uh, messes up and it just whacks itself against the end, against the, uh, side of the set and uh they don't ha- and there's not another one for another take so that's just left in <laughs> or it's just left in because it's funny and the uh, the chattering of the hair bone one then says he man and everyone's like cut oh my god that's ridiculous i am so offended um there is a fifth flame skull because it is the bad guy's turn that then appears from around the roof area of the 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 floor that you're descending towards and it gives it's it's uh it's wearing a top hat and it's got a cheery smile and it comes out you can see its eyes widen visibly and it's like i'm good you're good we're all good here let's go to break And with that, folks, we will take our 10-minute break and be back right on the button at 10.30 for more hijinks as we get to the meat of this MacGyver-driven episode. Trust me, there is MacGyver stuff to come. This has been Morty's Devils, a weekly podcast captured from the season one twitch.tv live stream actual play Dungeons and Dragons game using episodes from 1970s, 80s, and 90s dramatic television as our inspiration for adventure. Interested in finding out more about Morty's Devils? Find us on Twitter at Morty's Devils or send an email to taverntalesdm at gmail.com. Season 2 will begin airing soon on August 30th on twitch.tv slash unmadegaming at 11pm Eastern Time. Hope to see you there. The theme song for Morty's Devils is Let the Night Fall from Dragonette's 2016 Royal Blue album. Interested in their music? Check them out on iTunes or on Twitter at Dragonette, or find them online at www.dragonetteonline.com. Morty's Devils is a Tavern Tales production, and in Morgan Kynan's words, keep the balance.